listeners. Welcome to Unseen, the Trafficked Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Rowland. You're going to get to hear true sex trafficking crime stories. These are stories that maybe never made to headlines. Maybe they weren't believed. And you're going to get to hear from survivors themselves tell the truths of sex trafficking. Join us and remember, listener discretion is advised. We understand the the greatness about our community and we know the struggles of our community. And I think that that is something to be excited for when we can come together and share stories like ours and be a voice for those who need us. You are worthy, you know, and you are, you're precious, you know, you're beautiful. And in spite of what you're going through or what you've gone through, it does not determine who you are going to be in the future. It's just being able to tell my story to that one person who can relate or that one person who believes me. All that mess you went through, there's a message in that. And there's a message of hope and transparency and freedom for somebody else. There's no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. Your freedom is in your mouth and it's the key to somebody else's chains. You matter and your story matters always. You're you're taking the voices of the unheard and you're letting them be heard in a very safe space. Hey everyone, welcome, welcome. So it's Victoria and this will be episode 14 of season two in honor of Black History Month. I am going to call out on the wonderful women that have survived and overcome and maybe are in a stage of thriving that is important to them. And I say that with all respect, especially in the case of Kiana Aldridge. I'm going to actually cover this case, but back in November of 2020, I had the honor of communicating with her lawyer, Maggie Crow, and that's Maggie K-R-E-L-L. Oh, we were just so honored to have her correspondence via email, and we were trying to schedule something, but at that time, it was very new that she was actually granted clemency. So at that time, Kiana was freed and out of prison. Governor uh, Newsom had apparently uh, granted her clemency. And now that we are in February 2021, I am hoping that she's had all of the space and time to accomplish some goals. But I know that um, things don't happen overnight, like overcoming trauma and um, all of the um, sort of situations that we're actually going to discuss in this episode. So I just wanted to firstly shout her out. And also her lawyer, Maggie. As we are here and covering the stories, I know some of you have listened to the last two, which again were about our wonderful black women during this month who were victimized and experienced some racial injustices as well as surviving sex trafficking. I started off this episode in really good spirits because. Again, we've had 
contact with Kiana and her lawyer, and we were going to be blessed to have her on and interview with her. And the reason why I love hearing from them, and I'm sure you all do too, is because there's so many truths in the delivery of a story that is shared from their perspective and from their knowledge and their, you know, placements of their journey and of the story that they want to share. So I'm going to do my absolute best and honor her story and how it was documented in the press. I, again, much like many of our other stories that we try to cover, there was not a lot of information online available. So I hope that I do serve some kind of justice in telling her story and also celebrating the fact, again, that she is and was granted clemency. So the awareness helps so much. And just, you know, kudos to the lawyer, Maggie, because, you know, I just, you know, it's just important to acknowledge the the fighters that are on the team as well, and that aided in her release. So I just want to also point out that I have one more episode this month that I'm going to cover. And I already know there's not going to be a lot of information out there to report on. So this will probably be a short episode. And I hope that all of you all stick through and you hear about the case, you know, obviously this, like the, the crime that happened, but also support her and her journey and knowing a little bit more about her. And as always, Kiana, just want you to know that we see you girl. We are so happy that you are out and and able to be with your family and friends and those that truly love you. Kiana Outrich. Okay, let's keep in mind she is a victim of sex trafficking. My information is coming from an article written by Anita Chabria, and this is from the LA Times. The link will be in our show notes. And I want to start off this article with saying that she was a teenager. And y'all know I am a firm believer in hashtag believe our teens. Okay, because, you know, you got to believe them the first time. You got to believe them. And this situation was unfortunate with Kiana because at 16, she was arrested with her trafficker and she was a female. The female trafficker was actually 26 years old. Now you can imagine the 16-year-old needs support services, right? She's going to need some, you know, mental health counseling. She's going to need some safety care, um, safety planning, you know, to stay out of the life. She's going to need some evaluations of the trauma and the other and other needs. No one, you know, knows at this point if she could return home to the mom. Well, with this information and her thoughts that if I testify against this trafficker, then I'll probably get help. I'll probably get safe housing, some type of safety. But in this article, it actually says that even though Kiana's testimony led to the conviction of this female pimp, female trafficker, and she was, she was convicted of almost nine years, they still jailed. Kiana. And I don't think if I mentioned this yet, but this was actually not why she was imprisoned for that lengthy time where she was asking and requesting for clemency. What 
happened during this time and what everybody thought that was going to happen was she was going to get the mental health that the mental health care that she needed, honestly. But during this unfortunate time, she didn't. I mean, it's reported by Miss Tracy Aldridge, and that's Kiana's mom, that she just didn't get anything. She didn't get any services. So let's get into what happened after. So this situation actually progressed into 2012. In 2012, when Kiana was 17 now, she actually was back on the streets and got affiliated with um, a gang member who was in her family. This, you know, this again was a female and took her in. And I I just want to take a moment to just tell you all how common this actually is. And that's why it's so important to have such information out and, and these narratives out there is because it's not always going to be a male trafficker, a male exploiter, a male pimp. It's not actually going to always be an African-American pimp or an African-American trafficker or someone within their race, actually. Um, So this family member who was female, she freaking started trafficking Kiana. God, I just, I just get, I I just cringe when I, when I start to talk about the incident that happened, you know? So in response to an ad that was posted for Kiana on an, you know, advertisement online, she basically trafficked her to two men. um, And the two men wanted Kiana again at 17 years old to make, let's say what it is, child pornography. And unfortunately, which we all know that there's other cases out here that are circulating and I've seen it very common and I'm not sure if my uh, fellow advocates and allies um, have also seen this. And, and, and if we have, it's probably t- becoming too, it's becoming just too common. What happens is it starts to be a setup type of situation. And I want to keep it as in general terms for everyone to understand whether this is your first time hearing about trafficking or, you know, you've heard this story in as many complexities as it usually is. But bottom line is usually it's a setup. Either these girls or boys are posted online and you, you know, these, these, buyers or these customers they come to the location or you and the trafficker or the victim and the trafficker go to the said location to meet these customers or buyers and what happens is there's some type of violent exchange that is going to be sort of like you know for robbery for instance because they want money and that's the most common really it's 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 a violent exchange for money. And in this case, they met up with the men, right? So the female pulls out a gun and, you know, basically robs them. You guys can imagine the situation playing out right now, right? So she orders one to go into the trunk. And this is where it gets a little bit confusing in this article because I'm not sure if the other man simply just kind of got away or he was just in the car with them. But the unfortunate part of this story is that there's some surveillance on camera of this or a said man with them going into a store to buy some stuff and to also get money 
which was intended for them. Needless to say, freaking got arrested and Kiana was actually charged as an adult. And the damn charges were kidnapping and false imprisonment. And this also, this situation also happens a lot is where the there was a plea involved, right? So the plea deal was that she would be sentenced to almost 10 years. And of course, those two men were never charged. I'd like to talk a little bit about Kiana and her upbringing. A lot of information is usually shared in the context that sex trafficking victims, especially in marginalized communities, come from very, very, very vulnerable situations, right? And that can include domestic violence with the family, the parents, um, even some teen dating violence. They can come in low-income communities or just the status of not being uh, middle class. So I don't even want to really say lower class, you know, just struggling like a lot of Americans do. And the other instance that is unfortunately dealing with Kiana's case is that there was some sexual abuse in the home at a very young age. In this article, her mother, Tracy, does speak a little bit to the writer about Kiana's childhood. Kiana was actually first sexually abused at the young age of four. So you can imagine the trauma involved in that. It is noted that Kiana actually started running away at the age of 12. And in the article, there's someone from the Sacramento Juvenile Detention Facility that's talking about first meeting Kiana at the age of 13. And again, this is very common too, because we say that the youth that experience sex trafficking were within the foster care system or identified as runaways. And they are very much often locked up at detention centers. Um, and sometimes that being one of the very safe places whether they're going back to the streets, going back to the traffickers, trying to go back home, or just another lifestyle that they are engaged in. And for Kiana, you know, her mother said it was just really hard to understand what Kiana was going through. At some parts in the article, Miss Tracy also says that she tried to stop her from running away before and Kiana had broke her arm. And, you know, Miss Tracy just didn't understand and Further into the article, Kiana actually mentions that she was eating out of the trash can on the streets at 14. And this makes her extremely vulnerable, yes, indeed, for anyone to further exploit her because her basic needs are not being met. And we see that too often. Instead of there being safe, trusting adults, there are females and males and folks that we would call aunties, uncles that would be taking care of our youth in the communities, further exploiting them for places to stay for a means to an end. Basically that is now going to be their property for money. And what's really sad is that this was going to kind of be her unfortunate circumstances 
until her arrest at 16 and then she's back out there again right then she gets picked up right away from an exploiter and then she's back in jail at 17 years old and granted the household was not the best and that's another situation that a lot of sex trafficking victims and what we know can stem from so yeah kiana's mom i mean she had her when she was 18 years old and kiana's mom is tracy also reports that she was a runaway youth as well and there was some domestic violence in the home and you know kiana unfortunately she saw the same thing and experienced the same thing and let's continue on the narrative that from 14 to 17 it's obvious that kiana was on the streets most likely being exploited by adults and if not adults then you're right her peers i know even though it's 2021 i can't imagine then if there were a lot of shelters or facilities and treatment centers open and available to service a youth like Kiana. You can imagine that in the article, it is reported that she was in and out of detention centers at the detention centers. It probably wasn't, you know, uncommon to experience youths coming in and out and acting up or basically raising their hands inadvertently that they need severe mental health interventions, which again, were not, it doesn't sound like in this article that they were available for Kiana. Hey listeners, taking a quick break here. But as we are talking about commercial sexual exploitation of children, one of the many, many ways that this is occurring continually is through social media, through texting, through gaming. These digital predators are attacking our young people. And I say that to get you all informed and reminded that there are devices now in 2020 that assist us in preventing this exploitation. I talked about it before, but check out Gab Wireless. So you listeners who just want to see how you can help and prevent this from happening or affecting your young people in your life, check out this phone. The most important thing is that there's no internet browsers. There's no social media apps allowed to be even downloaded. So check it out. Go to their website. Use our promo code. The link is in the show notes. Kiana's mom, Miss Tracy, reports that she met Kiana's father when, you know, she was a teen, 18. And this father of Kiana's was actually a 35-year-old minister, okay? He actually was convicted of sexually abusing Kiana. And that alone sounds like a very traumatic, traumatic instance that was really not addressed. And that is, again, very, very common. So now let me talk a little bit about how and 
you know, the really important reasons why the clemency to me was granted. I mean, obviously, this is just my opinion, and I'll get into it, of why it was just such a severe case that she really, really should not have even been in jail at 17, tried as an adult for freaking 10 years, right? I don't believe anyone was murdered here, right? You guys heard me say she was charged for kidnapping and false imprisonment. All right. So again, I'm going to shout out her lawyer because she did this case pro bono. She was her pro bono lawyer. Kiana was able to get out at 25. All right. And for all the skeptics out there, it's your, you know, I don't know if you're saying this, but it has came across my mind before. And you're probably wondering why she had to just get out or she just couldn't finish the 10 years, right? Because she was arrested in 2012. At 25 years old last year, Kiana was experiencing a lot while in prison. And we're not just talking about the mental health interventions that she seriously needed, okay? Yes, you guys might have known that there were um, suicide attempts because that was written in a few articles that I did see, the very few. And additionally, so yes, additionally, this is going to be um, a, maybe a hard part to listen to. I know my last episode, I did get some listeners that it was just really hard to refer back to the article written by SWOP um, because I'm pretty sure that this is happening. It has happened and it's still going unseen and silenced. So here it is. During her imprisonment and time behind bars, she experienced sexual abuse. Maggie, Kiana's pro boyo lawyer, filed a civil suit against three men. Kiana had filed complaints against three civilian staff members and one guard at the California Institute of Women. She alleges they individually coerced her into sexual acts and sexually molested her. One, the guard who was terminated from the California Department of Corrections and Re Rehabilitation just late last year after the investigation. And the lawsuit, this, excuse me, the civil suit against the three men and <laughs> those CDCR officials, the um, California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation officials, you know, Ms. Maggie filed that civil suit against them because of the way that they handled the damn incident. And in one instant detailed in the legal complaint, and again, I'm reading this from the article in the New York Times by Miss Anita Tabria, is that Kiana actually claims that the civilian supervisor brought her into a closet where he coerced her into oral sex. And afterward, Kiana reports that she found, okay, she had a piece of that supervisor's pubic hair in her freaking mouth, okay? She reports to Anita Tabria that she put that piece of hair in a napkin and gave it to the prison investigators. And she further reports that like the whole situation, like the abuse had her feeling so disgusting, quote unquote, disgusting. 
and enough that she said she tried to kill herself earlier this year by ingesting pencils. Okay. And there was a report that she also tried to kill herself. And Kiana just, she was retaliated against, you know, she firmly believed that she was retaliated against for making those reports. She was then put in ADSEG, administrative segregation, which is, if some of you all don't know, it is, um, it is similar to solitary confinement. And, you know, poor, like, it's just so, just so disheartening. Kiana had a job, right? And you all know that they don't pay a lot. Kiana had a job in the prison hospital and she was earning 45 cents an hour. She needed that, right? She needed that for commissary, other personal items. Well, guess what? She lost it. She probably most likely was fired. And I I really do want to read this part because it's so important to why I have such episodes and like podcasts covering this. In the article, Anita reports that Kiana is steadfast in her determination to tell her story as she sees it. She would like to be a peer counselor when she is released and thinks coming forward may help other women and give a purpose to the pain she feels. Kiana says, quote, it's terrifying and it's draining because you don't know what's going to happen next to you just for opening your mouth, unquote. Again, she said that in August of 2020. She continues to say, quote, I don't want it to happen anymore to any more women. It's my turn to get a light shed on it in prison. I want to be the one to get a light shed on it. And let me tell you, I'm like cringing after I read that to you. Because in this article, Miss Anita Chabria reports that a few weeks after this, no one heard from Kiana. Not her mom, not the support she had known, and not the lawyer. And it had been um, what's reported as almost two weeks that they didn't hear from Kiana. And her mom reports just being like really scared for her and, you know, just trying to advocate. And the most important part of why I'm saying this is that just like her mom and her supporter was and her lawyer were nervous, this is during the pandemic. Okay. I know there were a lot of prisons in the news where inmates and officials, administrative or correctional officials were contracting COVID and they were spreading and it was spreading and people were dying. So you can imagine how the mom and everybody was feeling. And already you all know that she's has an investigation that's open. Kiana is suffering from being in jail for almost freaking 10 years already for a crime that was committed as a sex trafficking victim, you know, an alleged crime that she got charged for as an adult at 17 and now she's in prison going through all of this probably not receiving the best care mentally or physically and then she's getting sexually assaulted and knowing all of these factors and then not hearing from her and again this is in September 
of 2020, right? And thankfully, we are going to, you know, just like we talked about earlier, she was granted clemency, right? So after this miscommunication or lack of communication and really no communication from Kiana, however you all think it happened, the point is that everybody was just so scared that they hadn't heard from her. And there was actually a a message that Anita Chabria writes that was one of Kiana's last conversations with the reporter before the clemency and all of that was that at the time when she was um, talking to a reporter, and this was, again, one of her last conversations, she had reportedly slit her throat and ingested blades. And Kiana reports to Anita that she's a woman who has been through a lot of abuse in her life and she just wanted it to stop. And I add that in there to say, what an amazing story that is being told from her. And the severity of it and the complexities of this are all the more reasons why the governor probably paid attention to her clemency request and it was granted. Thank goodness it was granted. So we can say as of this episode being released on Friday in 2021 of February, Kiana is no longer in jail. That is just such an amazing statement that I can say. Given all of this, And the fact that in November, her lawyer, in an email where Kiana was CC'd, they were willing to talk and share that. And now as we listen to this, we might want to consider the factors that Kiana was experiencing. Just besides the trauma, and then there's the investigation, and the, you know, and, and, and just the fact that not a lot of folks in prison are granted clemency. So I want to end with the fact that we've heard and we've seen you, Kiana, Miss Kiana Outridge, and you as a sex trafficking victim, your story is told, and you are here able to share this story and be that peer counselor, that counselor that you strive to be to help other women and girls and those in need. And we just thank you. And we thank Ms. Maggie Krell for all of her work pro bono that she was able to do. And we honor lawyers like yourself. Again, to read on Kiana's case and the information that I reported in this episode, I will leave the link to the article in our show notes. Thank you all again for listening and tuning in to our episode where we covered the story of Kiana Outridge and her clemency that was granted at the end of last year. And we are very fortunate and lucky to be able to uh, learn a little bit about her case and also highlight her, her lawyer who did that work pro bono. Join us next week. Hey, it's Victoria. 
Thank you for joining us for another episode of Unseen, the Trafficked Truth Podcast. Thank you for being a part of hearing and listening to voices that were often unheard, underrepresented, and feeling as though their stories weren't seen, heard, or believed. And I hope that you stay tuned for another episode as we will bring you weekly episodes released on Fridays of survival stories, controversial conversations, and coverage of stories that never really make it to headlines. And if you haven't yet, check out season one. All right, check y'all back for next Friday, Unseen the Traffic Truth Podcast.